Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is Dr. Ken Anderson. Uh, Dr. Anderson is a uh, member of the faculty at Providence Baptist College teaching uh, personal finance class, church finance class, and uh, many other classes at Providence Baptist College. His background uh, is in finance in the business world, worked for an insurance company, and then also uh, worked at Northwest Bible Baptist Church as an associate pastor and is a wealth of knowledge uh, for many pastors and full-time Christian workers in the area of managing their finances. So thank you so much for You're joining welcome. us. Uh, we've you. had other conversations talking about college students and them managing their finances. We talked about the peculiarities of um, compensation that ministers have, ordained ministers have. Um, and so if you want to watch any of those other topics, you can go to the description and uh, view those other videos. But today's topic, we'll be talking about financial living for those that are in ministry. Um, it's no secret to anyone, I think, that uh, you don't get into the ministry to get rich. Uh, <laughs> it's, that's not what you're in it for. Um, you know, as Christ talks about laying your treasures up in heaven where rust, rust and moth do not corrupt. Um, but that's not to say that you won't be given a paycheck. Uh, it may be smaller than uh, what you would have in secular employment, which obviously presents many challenges sure. uh, for that you know, person in ministry, uh, his wife, his children, and just understanding how they're going to have to live their lives um, a little bit differently than other people do, be more wise. Uh, be more frugal, uh, and um, you know. So we're going to talk about some of those sure. things. And so, talk about your. Maybe you could start with a personal illustration or example of your years of ministry and some of the things you went from working in corporate America to working for a little Baptist church. What kind of personal lifestyle changes did you have to make, and what were the sudden realizations that you had to? That you well, had? to be honest, David, I had very little adjustment to make. Really? Okay. Although I was earning in the corporate world probably maybe four times what I was would be earning starting out okay. as Pastor so Gomez. Only a quarter of what you were making. You didn't have to make that many adjustments, really. <laughs> but I always wow. we always well I always and because I, my wife also suffered this, I always lived below my income. For many years, while I was earning good money, I was earning, I was living below that income, and I was investing, I was doing this and that. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't overspending at all. Mm -hmm. So I had a reserve there. So, and the other reason is God promises always to meet our needs. It's true. Uh, and give the desires of our heart. And as long as our desires are what He desires, we're in good shape. So I remember, David, just a personal anecdote, and this, I, I hate to waste time on this, but it's not a waste of time. Uh, when I when I was arguing with myself about going into the ministry with Preacher, because I thought I can never make it when he said, Brother Anderson, I want you to come work on staff as an associate pastor and can't pay you that much, da-da-da-da. And when he told me what it would be, I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> I need to pray a lot about this. The bad thing is, the good and the bad, I knew it was God's will, yeah. but I had to argue with myself because I'm thinking there is no way Mm -hmm. that I can adjust to that kind of income considering the income I have been making even though I've been living below my means. Sure. But just one example of several. Um, while I was wrestling with this, my wife, after a church service, said, someone gave me this box of, a box of brand new shoes for you. And it's your size and it's floor shine, which are the oh, top. Yeah. I would never buy floor shine. So, mm -hmm. And at that point, David, I said, okay, 
God can meet my needs. He gave me shoes. And blessed are the feet, right, which carry the gospel. So yeah. I knew that was a sign from the Lord. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I also got some signs of some interviews I'd had in secular that would even pay me more than what I was making. Uh, but I just knew it wasn't God's will, even though I was arguing with God about that. Um, but in terms of getting counsel from the Bible, I read a verse in Psalms because my offers had to do with going east, I think. And the, the, the verse I read said, don't go east or go, go north or west or something. But it just <laughs> popped out and I said, okay, God, <laughs> I surrender. So, but uh, okay, so, well, in the ministry, like you mentioned, you're always going to earn less than what you could in a comparable secular job. Sure. And so you're going to have to supplement income and or reduce your expenses from what you were earning below. That's pretty simple. Basically it, okay? Get more money, spend less. SX. Okay. Now, it's harder to get more income than it is to reduce expenses. So, but I would say in terms of supplementing income, uh, just some some possibilities, is if a spouse also works, and I don't encourage a wife to work, especially while there are kids in the home, and if she does work, maybe only part-time now and then and so on, but supplementing income with a second income from a spouse is an option. Another option is having a side job, whether it's part-time or maybe full-time, second shift or whatever, uh, having working to supplement your income with that. Um, I, I, I don't encourage that either because in the ministry, at least as a ordained clergy person, as an assistant pastor or associate pastor, I was spending 60, 70 hours in ministry work. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the energy or time to work a side job, even if yeah. I'd you know, needed to. So, but that's options. You, you work a side job or the spouse works and so on. So, so then let's focus on reducing expenses. Sure. A uh, number of ways to do that. And uh, you can cut various kinds of expenses. And if you have particular questions, just, just dive in here, sure. David. But um, uh, for instance, um, reducing taxes and I'm going to mention when you're in the ministry, there are a number of ways to do that. We have a separate, separate podcast on those that are ordained, and that covers in much more detail than what we are here. But even some ordained, uh, some people who aren't ordained may be able to reduce their salary subject to certain requirements of the IRS and the tax rules to reduce their income by their amount of tithes and offerings, uh, and the church takes that and credits to the other accounts. So therefore, you reduce your taxable income and you reduce your tax because income tax because of that. One of the other things I'm mentioning for ordained person, which is covered in the podcast, is you can opt out of Social Security and Medicare. I don't necessarily encourage that or recommend that. You can save 15.3% of your housing allowance and your salary just by virtue of saving money on taxes. Another tax savings is to make sure, absolutely sure, and whether you do this on your own or go to an accountant or a tax service, make sure you take advantage of every single tax credit. Tax deductions are one thing, but under the new tax law, most people don't take tax deductions. Cause yeah, last year I did. Standard deduction, $24,000 yeah, standard, standard deduction plus if you're married. So, But I say tax credits. So there are a number that will save a person not just hundreds, but thousands of dollars in income taxes. Some of those income tax credits, David, will not just eliminate your tax, but the government will pay you over and above that tax. It's like getting free money. I don't yeah. owe the government anything, and they're giving me something extra. Yeah. The best of possible world. So every possible one is the earned income credit, yeah. and especially for lower income, because of housing allowance for ordained people not being considered income tax, for lower income people, the earned income tax credit can amount to thousands of dollars if your income is low enough. 
Um, another one is a child tax credit. Now, the more children you have, the more credits you get. I'm not encouraging that because there are expenses that go with children. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, An additional yeah. child tax credit. And there's also retirement savings tax credit and some other tax credits. And those are dollar for dollar. If I own $100 of taxes and I have $100 of tax credits, I owe no tax. It's not like a tax deduction. Sure. It's much better. So saving on taxes, you can do that in those ways and several mm -hmm. other ways we probably don't have time to go into uh, in this particular podcast. And so. we even did discuss some of the things you yes, mentioned yep. in the episode yep. dealing with the peculiarities yep. of clergy mm -hmm. income and things mm -hmm. like that. So outside of the tax realm and trying to lower your taxes, are there some living expenses out there that you know, some people just overpay for oh, sure. generally yeah. that you can, you know, decrease your expenses on. Yeah. Well, and I'll suggest this, and we cover this in another uh, podcast as well. Every family, whether mm -hmm. they're in the ministry or not, need to have and live by a balanced budget where they don't spend more than they sure. make and they decide what they're going to spend on. So that will help determine what you have money available to spend on. And the first thing you take care of, of course, is the mandatory fixed obligations like a mortgage or rent and utilities, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, your taxes, your tithes, your offerings, things like that. And when you have anything left over after taking care of everything that's absolutely necessary, then you can say, okay, I'm going to spend this on, we're going to eat out once a month. Mm -hmm. or we're going to go a drive through you know, once a week, whatever. You can determine that on your own. But in most cases, when you get done with all the obligations that you have as a worker in the ministry, there's not going to be a lot of money left over because <laughs> no. the amount of income you start with is low to start with. And that's you why have, you have the normal living expenses, but you don't have the income to support yeah. it. So you don't have much left over. So One little plug here, um, not a sponsor. Uh, there's an app I use called YNAB, Y-N-A-B, uh -huh. You Need a Budget. Right. And it's kind of like that envelope system sure. you were describing about in the other episode, except it's virtual. It's a virtual sure. envelope system. And it's, I used to use a literal envelope system. That's fine. And I transferred sure. over to the YNAB yeah. system, and it saved me so much time. Right. Uh, and it's just as effective. Yep. Um, so uh, just a, a yeah. plug there. And that's a plug for the envelope system. And they sure. can go to the other podcast to learn more about that. But you, you put money in an envelope conceptually uh, mm -hmm. or in practically. Every month or every week you get a pay. And that goes for particular kinds of things. And when the money in the envelope is gone, so is your spending in that category. Let's talk about uh, savings on insurance. Um, you ought to always have the highest deductible you possibly can afford for your car insurance and for your homeowner's insurance because the higher the deductible, the lower their premium. Sure. You say, but what if I have a claim? Then I have to have a $1,000 deductible instead of a $500 deductible? Yes, you do. But the chances of you having that size claim are remote. So I say, by the highest deductible, save the difference in premium in a side fund there. And if you do have a claim like that, Go to that extra premium difference and use that to make the difference. In Back the to that envelope system Back again. To the take the savings, system. stuff exactly it in an envelope. Right. Make sure there's a thousand bucks in that exactly envelope, right. just yep. in case. So that's so highest deductible, lowest premium. Life insurance. Never buy any permanent whole life type insurance. Always buy level term insurance. Okay. Uh, buy it for at least twenty years, or at least until your youngest child is going to reach age eighteen. Always on any significant purchase you're making, whether it's insurance, whether it's a car, whatever it is, always make sure you get bids from at least three separate companies mm -hmm. that are like apples to apples comparisons and get, and we're talking about reputable companies, then and generally speak, you know, choose the cheapest or the most economical one, always. And you can save tremendous amounts of money just on car purchases. And I'm not talking about new cars, I'm talking about used cars here as well. So get three bids for any substantive kinds of purchases. 
one of the things that I discovered about car insurance was keep shopping. You, you commit with a company for a year, 12 months later, the policy comes up for renewal, shop and find another company. Exactly right. And it's amazing, Brother Anderson, it just keeps getting cheaper. Yeah. It keeps getting cheaper. Yeah. And what I was paying before is, yeah. oh my goodness. And now obviously some of it has to do with just the rates and you know, they're not willing to insure me as cheaply as a young man. Now I'm older and you know, the, the liability is not there anymore, I guess. Well, there are side stories on this, David. Yeah. I mean, car insurance companies especially, if you stick with a car insurance company and you haven't had real bad claims and they're not losing money on you, yeah. they'll increase their rates anyway. And as long as they know that you're going to continue with them, they'll keep increasing your rates yeah. because you are in that profile and they've got computers and all the things to categorize you. They know that you'll stay. Like you say, every year or at least every two years, shop your homeowners and shop your car insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Saving on health insurance. Um, impossible to afford health insurance nowadays, it seems. Mm -hmm. If you have a spouse who works and has group insurance, try and be covered as a dependent on theirs. Okay. Um, in terms of buying health insurance that you do need then, uh, then I'm going to name another non-insurance uh, idea in just a minute, but uh, you go to the health.gov health uh, and search for, on the exchange, uh, for the bronze plan, that's the most economical health insurance, the highest deductible to cheapest premium. Mm -hmm. You have a big deductible, at least you're going to have uh, the cheapest premium there. Um, so, and again, all the companies that offer, whether it's a platinum, whether it's a gold, a silver, a bronze, they all offer the same benefits. And they're all reputable companies for the most part. Sure, yeah. So you go with the cheapest. So there's no reason not to. Yeah, just no don't brainer. buy from a name company just because it's a name company or because your parents bought from that. Buy from the cheapest company. Then there's a Samaritan plan. It's not insurance. But it goes under the concept in Galatians. I'm not sure where, 6-5 maybe, about sharing each other's burdens. And instead of insurance, what you do is you subscribe to an organization with a number of other Christians. And when you have a claim that's above a certain amount of a certain type, Instead of getting paid a claim by an insurance company, you get paid by other subscribers that cover your claim. There's some disadvantages to that. Mm -hmm. There's also some advantages. The biggest advantages are a much lower, quote, deductible, even though it's not a deductible, yeah. like $300 before, okay. instead of having a $1,500 deductible. Mm -hmm. Instead of having coinsurance, you have no coinsurance. You have a much lower, quote, premium, even though it's not a premium, so much lower cost, but in exchange, you can't give a card and say, I belong to the Samaritan plan and give that to the doctor or the hospital. No. You know, they, they want to Basically, you have to tell them, I'm uninsured. Yeah, I'm uninsured, but um, I'm going to ask for the same discount because I can promise pretty much that within three months you'll get paid. And usually that's it, three to four months. Well, and usually uninsured patients at a hospital, they can negotiate. Yes, and, and a should. A cheaper price. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, most doctors, most hospitals, if they belong to any insurance, uh, HMO, PPO, they're getting probably paid at least at, at most sixty percent on the dollar anyway. They'll bill for oh, really? they'll bill for a thousand, and the insurance company will reimburse six hundred anyway. So, oh, okay. and the government under Medicare even less. So, <laughs> you know, it doesn't hurt to to, to know. So, Samaritan Plan is another alternative to save money on health insurance. Other things, um, just uh, miscellaneous kinds of things on uh, uh, just spending. We mentioned the envelope system, but um, uh, miscellaneous spending on uh, personal grooming things of that nature, buying clothes at, uh, at, a, at a Goodwill mm -hmm. or at a garage sale or a sidewalk sale instead of buying at a department store, even on sale, much cheaper. By the way, I should mention that every month you ought to set aside at least $10 per family member 
uh, for clothing because they are going to need it. When you have younger kids, of course, you know, especially you're going right. to have Grow more like expenses. Weeds. Exactly right. Absolutely. So many expenses. Um, let me mention credit rating. We talked about sure. this before. Uh, whether you're in the ministry or not, you ought to have a good credit rating. It's going to save you a lot of money on interest rates and so on and so forth. So maintain a good credit rating. Debts don't have credit cards. Don't have credit cards. If you have a credit card, if you use it, then pay it off in full every month. Mm -hmm. The first month that you cannot pay it in full because you've got other obligations, cut it. Cut it up. Yep. Yep. And don't use it again because you proved that you can't use it responsibly. So be very careful about credit. One thing you were talking about is buying clothes used, you know, Goodwill resale shops. Uh, one thing that my wife has been very successful at is buying furniture used mm -hmm. on a website like Facebook Marketplace. Sure. And we've bought couches and we paid for them, used them for a couple of years, and then sold them and made a profit. And I made a profit, yeah. And then take that money and oh, buy yeah. a better couch. And we're like on our third or fourth couch now, yeah. and we're, we have a $3,000 couch. It would have yeah. cost us three grand sure. brand new. We, we, and appliances. I mean, going to a place too, for yeah. nicked and dented items, same thing with furniture, mm -hmm. buying things on the, on the floor. Uh, uh, what's called open uh, open uh, return package. They return. They sell an appliance or a piece of furniture yeah. that doesn't fit in the house, so they send it back. They can't sell it as brand new. You get discounts there, so you always have to be looking for things you can buy on the cheap. Obviously, we could keep going, oh, going, yeah. on and going and on, and on, on, on different ways to save money. But the idea is be creative yep. and don't accept retail. No, exactly <laughs> or right. Anything. Yep. Always ask for the discount. If that's one thing I've learned. Uh, from you and others as well. It's just, well, that's the price, the sticker price, but what's my price? Always ask for something less. That's yeah, and, and generally don't buy new. All right, well, if you'd like to uh, see other topics that Brother Anderson and I talked about and referenced during this episode, you can go to the description below and see those links to those videos. We thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.